From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 465. Today's show is brought to you by Electric, Ladder, Nom Nom, and Notion. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. Welcome back to the Summer of Fun! Summer of Fun! Yeah, yeah that's right. Snell Talk question for you, and oh. it comes from Justin. And Justin wants to know, Jason... If you could have any animal pocket-sized, what would it be? I don't like this question. Okay. I don't like this question. Imagine, though, you could have... In this scenario, this is an animal that you would be able to carry around with you and just Mm -hmm. put on the desk whenever you like. Hmm. You could look at the, the animal and, you know, maybe play with the animal. What I don't like about it is that is the potential for squishing. I'm just worried that I, right. this, this poor little animal is going to get squashed because okay. it's so little. Yeah. Right? You put it in your pocket and then you tap your pocket and the animal is broken bones and is dead. That it's not is good. That's quite a thing. I don't I'm like say it. That's quite a thing to jump immediately like to. No. Uh, oh, it's the first thing I thought immediately was like, oh my god, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a little, uh, little uh, lion and then I'm going to bump it and it's right, going to die. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to add. Do you have a force field? Are you going to give it a force field? I'm going to no? say this animal. While also pocket sized, is impervious to squishing. Okay. All right. So now, now this is the scenario. You could have any animal pocket sized, and it can't be squished. Okay. If it can't be squished, I would. Okay, Mike. Next, next problem is is the poop. It's. I don't want it in my pocket. It's going to poop in my pocket. Jason, you have actual animals in your home that is. Gonna, I do make much more of a mess than this thing could. So I wouldn't worry about that either. Yeah, but I can't like I can't like let the elephant outside. It's pocket sized. It'll get taken by a bird. It will have a little even box if it's got a something. force field or or it'll have a little box. Okay, yeah. all right. So I have a little pocket sized elephant that lives on my desk and goes in a box. Okay, so this elephant is your choice. Well, if 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 it wasn't squishing, if the squishing force field wasn't there, I was actually going to say I think I would like to make an aquarium with a whale in it. Now that's an excellent one. Right, like I do a little saltwater aquarium, and I yes. get a whale. Yes, and I have little like I don't know krill flakes that I yes. put in it, and it's like a whole aquarium, but it's just got a it's just got like a humpback whale in it. Yeah, I no, that, that is a awesome. superb choice, which also solves the two problems anyway. You can't squish it because it's in the aquarium. Yeah, that's right. And it's a fish. How much mess can it make? It's not a fish. Well, you know what I mean. But it's in a fish. It's in a fishbowl. It's in an aquarium. I yeah, feel like yeah, that's right. So it's got put in a it's fish got a tank, You space. can call it yes. a fish, even though it, like, I, it technically isn't. Well, you feel that way, but people feel a lot of things that are are right. So, but uh, if I had to choose with a force field, and I didn't go with the whale thing, I think I think elephant, or maybe you know, maybe a hippo, because hippos are adorable, but they're also incredibly dangerous. But a pocket-sized hippo mm. would just be so cute, and the hippo could have like a little, a little, not like an aquarium, because. It would have like a little terrain that it could live in, where it could go in the water, and then it yes. could pop back out onto the onto the the, the beach. Mm-hmm. And I'd have a little hippo hippo tank. I'm gonna yeah, I'm a gonna hippodrome. say elephant. I'm tempted, but I think I'm gonna go with hippo. But again, I think I think maybe a whale tank would be the best, the best of all. But the hippo, oh, those hippos are adorable. And if they couldn't destroy, they couldn't kill us <laughs> because they'd be so tiny. Uh, that might be fun too. That's my answer. I think I would go giraffe. I just think mm. it's, I think a pocket-sized giraffe would be hilarious, like and very adorable. It, it it would. You'd really need the force field for that neck, though. Yes, I mean, you know, it seems force field. really dangerous. Otherwise, yeah. it always is. Thank you to Justin for that snow talk question. If you would oh, yeah. like to write in 
with a question of any kind, maybe some summer-themed questions, because we're in the summer of fun, go to UpgradeFeedback.com and send it in. We have some follow-up now. And this oh, yes. was some, uh, was this some secret follow-up? This is some anonymous follow-up? You gave me this follow-up. It is, uh, I'm going to make it anonymous follow-up. Okay. Uh, from a friend of the show. Okay. He knows who he is. Or they know who they uh, we, are. Let's anonymize we it ta- even further. Well, yeah, it's too late. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> the I don't want to. I don't want to confuse him. He's like, oh, what, is it me? <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's you. Um, and separately, separately, a person who is not this person, who is Joe Rosensteel, wrote a piece about this at, at Six Colors. If you're a member, it's a member piece. You could go read it. Uh, a lot of detail about how they make 3D movies and 3D content in general, since we're talking about that for the Vision Pro. Mm-hmm. One of the things I said last week, and this is why it's follow-up, is I said, I don't know if they 3D convert a movie. So most 3D movies are shot in 2D because it's way too unwieldy to shoot with two with stereo cameras. So they, they just convert it. There's somebody who um, basically, after the fact, takes the base image and then sort of generates a second uh image for a stereo pair to put depth into it and what i didn't know was do the vfx for that are they rendered in 3d or are they rendered in 2d like the rest of the movie and then somebody else somewhere else turns the vfx into 3d Uh, Because theoretically, a lot of VFX, not all of them, but a lot of VFX are done in 3D. They're in a 3D system. I know Pixar does this. And again, uh, the same person, I I asked about this. They said, Pixar does it, but it's not cheap. Like, because you have to, you have to qualify every shot in stereo after you've done it in, in 2D, in mono. And it can be a lot of extra work. So the answer for the visual effects question is that mostly they're done in 2D and then 3D converted with the rest of the film. However, there are a couple exceptions here. Um, Since these are all computer files for the visual effects, usually the visual effects houses can send their like, if you think about like Photoshop or something, like layered files that have all the like details of the different layers to the 3D converter. So they've got a leg up. They They don't, they're not working like a normal 2D shot uh, the way to think about it is the parallax effect. Like if I want to have that second shot, I have to create background because the background slightly shifts uh, behind the people in the foreground and you have to invent it. Well, the advantage of giving a uh, uh, a layered shot is that is that those layers are floating on. It, it's just easier to do. So in some cases they'll sell, they have to do the conversion, but they will send the files basically so that they have an easier job of it. Whereas uh, a standard 2D film image is just a it's just a piece of film it's just a video file it's just flat the vfx uh, houses can send the layered stuff in that's good and then secondarily in some cases the production can ask for shots to be um, done for the vfx shots to be done natively in stereo and then the vfx company will deliver stereo images um it costs it's a significant fee <laughs> if you want it to be in 3D. So I think that a lot of times they decide it's cheaper to just pay for a conversion rather than having the VFX house do it. I assume that means the VFX house rates are substantially more than the 3D conversion rates. Um, what uh, Joe Steele's piece on Six Colors says is that it's it's literally 2x. Uh, it's it, like literally you can't just do all the work and then a little add-on work. It's 
it's basically, no, you have to do it twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to do the work twice because you have to do it for both eyes. So that's the answer. Um, a lot of the 3D movies that you see, <laughs> none of it was was made in 3D. Not a bit of it. Not even the VFX. But in some cases, maybe it was. So the idea of you know how easy or cheap or not would it be for some movies to be converted to 3D for Vision Pro would be not really. Yeah, well, I mean, the 3D movies... So the 3D movies are, are still released in theaters. A lot of movies are yes. made in 3D. So those are available for Apple to use, right? Yeah. Um, the ones they're showing off, of course, is James Cameron, who, who does, does shoot things thing. in 3D, and yeah. it's all in 3D, and like those are going to be your best-case scenarios. There are some other movies that were shot in 3D. It does happen from time to time. The one I keep mentioning, the best 3D experience I think I've ever had was um, Hugo which is um, Martin Scorsese made a 3D movie, everybody, and it looks great, but mostly not. Mostly they're just uh, they're just conversions. I think the, the bigger issue here is that uh, there was that story about Apple doing the Godzilla thing in 3D. And this is, this is the answer there is if Apple wants Apple TV plus content in 3D, they will most likely do it by paying for a 3D conversion because that's what most movie studios do. Right, because... The stuff they're using for sports is not 3D, is it? Right, like those cameras that they would use for sports, they're not 3D cameras, they're VR cameras. Sports is 3D. It is. It is. I mean, it's, it's, it is 3D. It's a stereo view. But like that's, I think that's different because it's a fixed camera position that's using 3D uh, as opposed to having a motion picture where you have thousands of shots and takes and camera movements and all sorts of stuff making a motion picture. But, but yeah, 3d sports is it's, it's real 3d. Those are stereo cameras doing the work there. I mean that we saw in the vision pro demo, they want 3d cameras. They're VR cameras. No, it's not 3d. It's just, it's just all around you. Like there was no sense of depth. Mm. They're not 3d. It felt like there were, there was depth to me. I felt like I was immersed. No, those VR cameras are just about like you're. It's immersive because it's, just it's just about immersive, like, but not in three D. All around you, like, and you can look around, but it's not. Right. It's not three D. Well, I think the goal would be that it would be immersive and three D, since we have you know the two eyes and yeah. yeah, and sports definitely. ESPN used to have a three D channel briefly when they yeah. were selling three D TVs, so it can be done, and I would imagine that done. it would be done. Yeah, and it, the the ideal would be both, right? That would be incredible, you know, if you could yes. look oh, wherever I think so. you wanted and have that sense of like full perspective. That would be kind of, kind of amazing, right? Yeah, I, I don't even know how you do that, nope. right? Actually, now that you think about it, because you need to be able to cover in all directions, but have an, a camera offset. That's probably not well. If it's one eighty, you know, if it's full three sixty, no. But if it's one eighty, you might be able to do it. But uh, yeah, so anyway, it's a that that's a, a interesting question about how you get something to be immersive and 3D. There is a note in our document that says Jason found a bug. I did find a bug. Okay. I found a bug in iOS 16 that's still in iOS 17. This is part of a larger story that I I think I might say for Upgrade Plus, but I wrote a, about it on um, my Macworld column this week. So it's we'll put a Six Colors link in the show notes. If you're a Six Colors member, you can just read it on Six Colors. If you're a Macworld, if you're not, you can read it on Macworld about a discovering that that Lauren there are lots of features of the iPhone that that have been added recently that Lauren um didn't know existed so she's still doing it like it's you know 2015 and I think is a good proxy for the lack of discoverability of a lot of Apple's features and how a lot of people um 
you know, people who don't listen to podcasts or read articles about Apple don't know that these features exist. And it's a ch- real challenge for Apple. Um, but in in the event, uh, while we were waiting for our lunch to be um, to be served uh, while we were up in Oregon, um, what I discovered amid this musing about discoverability was a bug, which is a hilarious bug that I think might speak to how Apple uh, silos different groups. So I'm just going to say it here. I know we got people who work at Apple who 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 are listening. Maybe they can help help this out because I, I just checked in iOS 17. It's still there. So one of the features of the lock screen in iOS 16 on the iPhone is photo shuffle, which is great. And you can choose it. what to photo shuffle. You can mm-hmm. photo shuffle nature. You can photo shuffle like animals or something. And you can photo shuffle faces. So <laughs> with a photo library that includes like names and favorites and all this stuff, when you choose, when you're given the chance to choose favorites or choose faces to shuffle through in the lock screen, the lock screen software, whatever it is, it's weird. It's like a mode. It's not really an app. It's a mode. What you want to do obviously is like pick members of your family. Like, like Lauren always has a picture of our kids on her lock screen. And so I was going in there to say, oh, you can use photo shuffle now and just shuffle all pictures of our kids through your lock screen. And it'll be delightful because you'll be like, oh, look at that. That's from when they were little and all that. Except when you get to that point where you're like, I want to look at faces and pick the ones that I want. What's presented to you is one, not your favorites. Two, not your most commonly seen faces and three it's a handful of faces it's like 10 and you can't say show me more you can't say go to the photos app and let me pick from there so i i tap i'm like oh let me show you this amazing feature photo shuffle and i tap and it is the most random select it's like kids who went to school with our kid and appear in a couple of pictures and just like random people that i see at an apple event or like you know again almost nobody even a relative and the relatives who were there were the relatives we don't see very often and this is in a photo library that has thousands of photos of my son and my daughter and me and Lauren and none of us were in there. I don't get it. I do not understand how that list should not be one. If you, if you favorite somebody, they should be in that list. Right. And I, in iOS 17, I tried this and I got Lauren and Jamie and they were marked with little stars because they're favorites. But my, but Julian is a favorite too. And like, Lauren's parents and, and my mom are favorites. But the only three faces offered to me in iOS 17 were Lauren and Jamie with little stars next to them saying they're favorites and Dan Morin, which, you know, I love Dan, but he's he's not a favorite face because uh, I, I reserve that for the very closest of family. And like, why? Why is that the case? And, and that's and the, and I on the iPad running iOS 17, I was only offered those three faces at all. I don't uh, my my experience is very different to yours. So when I go to like add a new home screen or whatever and I press photo shuffle, it says people and I can select from all of my named faces. I can't I I see none of that. Oh, that's weird. 
There's something odd going on with your with your either your photo are you using library. IPhone, or... Are you using photo library? Shared photo library? Yes. That's weird. Well, I don't know what's happening to you. But I, I have bad. heard from multiple. I have heard from multiple people who say they've had the same experience, where what the face, the faces that they're huh. offered, are not. And the th- part that so really strange. got me was when I went. So Lauren's phone didn't have people tagged, so I went in and I tagged the people and I merged some faces together, which yeah. is not really fun, but I did it. And I, I, you know, you, you can favorite people and all that. Like you can do that stuff. And then I went back and there was no effect, which which also suggests to me that either this is a bug at a higher level or it is not picking up the um it's not picking up the the um changes. Yeah. So something's gotten yeah. broken there for sure. Something but, super weird. Yeah. And and like I said, not only did this happen on my wife's iPhone um eleven, I wanna say. Uh, twelve, eleven or twelve, something like that. But it also happened on an M2 iPad running iOS 17. Differently in that it showed me fewer faces, but also oh, no. did not show me favorites. And I just don't get it. I just don't. I don't understand why you have this feature. So anyway, if uh, if anybody is out there at Apple, I would like to know because I, I looked at that and I thought this is something that uh, the photos team and the lock screen team aren't talking to each other. It seems like to me like that there's something going on with the library, right? Like, you know, like that there's something yeah. with maybe the library or your library size and that feature just not working together because it's clearly right. not something a device is issue, right? Like, and it's clearly not a person issue. Yeah, uh, James Thompson just reported in our in our chat. He's only seeing seven people and not everybody who is favorited. And Emma said. Wow. I only have the option of picking one of my actual favorites and one totally random friend I don't have that many pictures okay. of. And this this was, is very this was, weird. <laughs> this was my response, which is wow. fundamentally when you build this feature, it should be all, and also the limit of what's in there baffles me, right? Shouldn't it's like, why difference. only yeah. 10 faces or whatever it is? Yeah. Why only three faces on that iPad? Now, maybe there's some behind the scenes, well, we have to rescan all your photos mm-hmm. on this device to make sure if they're the right shape or size or or get metadata to make them eligible. Maybe something is going on in the background like that. But it, you, you would think the priority would be favorites and then weighted by the most commonly appearing faces right that would be who you'd want a photo shuffle of and yeah. i don't know why it's limited and why it couldn't be anybody who has had a face detected but uh but certainly there would be a priority list so i fell down this rabbit hole in the midst of <laughs> discovering all sorts of other things about iphone features that that uh that lauren isn't using that i got a column out of which is great yep. but uh this one i just it, i couldn't I couldn't believe it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I should file a feedback, right? Yes, you should. Anyway, uh, weird. Yes, you should. Super weird. Especially since it's in iOS 17 still. Yeah. Yeah. And so, we, Jason did mention discoverability thing. We're going to talk about feature discoverability and Upgrade Plus today. If you yeah. haven't signed up before, you can go to getupgradeplus.com. It's just $5 a month or $50 a year. Uh, around this time of the year, we do have a lot of people who are resubscribing for uh, their annual plans because we, we launched Upgrade Plus originally in June of 2020. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much if you have continued uh, your subscription. And always thank you if you continue subscription. It means a lot to me, yes, Jason, that indeed. you support us this way. Thank you. This episode is brought to you in part by Notion. 
Project management tools are supposed to help you move faster and stay more organized. If you're still jumping between 50 tabs just to get your work done, maybe you haven't found that right tool yet. And nothing will slow you down like using the wrong tools to get things done. This is where Notion comes in. Notion have just launched Notion Projects. This includes new powerful ways to manage projects and you can leverage the power of their built-in AI features too. Notion Projects combines project management with your documents, your knowledge base and AI. So you can stop jumping between tools and stop paying too much for them too. In just one workspace, you can do everything you need to get your projects over the finish line, from brainstorming to drafting launch plans to organizing sprints and keeping everyone on deadline. Notion is incredibly customizable. Everybody has preferences for how they like to view their projects, so you can view everything in whatever way works best for you, whether that's as a timeline, a table, or a Kanban board. There are also powerful filtering and automation features, so you can work exactly the way that you want. On top of that, Notion AI helps you automate all of that tedious overhead, like summarizing meeting notes or finding next steps, freeing you up to do the deep work. I just did this this morning. So I started using Notion for some work at Cortex Brand. I think we're going to move everything into there. I was playing around with it when uh, I saw about Notion projects, and I'm actually pretty sold now and we're going to use it like we're moving things in and we've got new projects that we're working on and we're using notion projects to get this stuff done but today i have uh, some meeting notes for a meeting that i've got coming up this week and i use the ai feature to just from these meeting notes create action items like a to-do list of action items and it was really good <laughs> it did a really good job i love it it's just taken all of the notes that i already have it's picked out what looks like an action item and put them at the bottom of the document awesome do your most efficient work with Notion projects. You can try it for free today at notion.com slash upgrade. That is N-O-T-I-O-N dot com slash upgrade. Go there right now and you support the show. That is notion.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Notion for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's go back to the details. The details. The details a segment that everybody loves and loves the name. Yeah, I, I've got resounding feedback everybody loves it <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. seriously i mean to me what there was one person who was one person was upset but i'm gonna keep saying it and for that one person welcome back to the details uh-huh yeah that that one person also decided to lecture us on how words are pronounced in nah, th- there's only one way that a word can be pronounced and uh so yes, I have, I have, I'm sending bad vibes to that person. Hey, look, Sorry, everybody. When you make something <laughs> that's in audio, people have opinions about how you pronounce things. It's fine. I have dealt with this for enough of my life yeah. now that I it's just true. water off a duck's back. You know, I'll, I'll just I'll reply with a with a gif. How about that? Yeah, I usually just say something along the lines of "I said it right." So you know, yeah. This is a name that I made up, so <laughs> however I say it's the way it's said. Because the I details. call them betas, but this is called the details. Because as we said before, the betails doesn't really make any sense. It, <laughs> it sounds like a, sounds like a horse, and the horses are the province of rumor roundup. Okay, and remember, everyone, when I say betails, you're supposed to say woohoo in your head, right? So, second, the developer betas are now available. Um, so this came out last week, so we're on beta two. Yes. I think of basically yes, we everything. Are. Yep. Typically, this means that the public beta is around the corner because it's based on this, usually, unless something disastrous has occurred. 
I would probably say within the next week, if not this week, next week, we may be on to develop a beta time. Uh, it's usually July-ish, right? Like if, if not end of June, start of July, um, and tends to be beta 2. So I would expect that to be the case here because everyone now know that's running them is having a good time. I've not heard of any real horror stories yet of, of things going wrong, so... We'll see about that. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about your beta strategy soon uh, at the at the end of this topic. Once we go okay. through some some stuff here, yes. because I, I didn't want to ask you yet about your experiences because that's the whole thing. But there's a few things that have come out uh, as part of beta two and more. So Apple has now added pass keys for iCloud accounts. So. Mm-hmm. You will now be able to sign up and have your iTunes, I guess your Apple ID, I should say, uh, as a yeah. have a pass key instead of a password. I'm really confused by this, and I I hope that it comes into focus because here's here's what I want, right? I want to biometrically authenticate to log into my Apple ID for things like like I have to go to like Apple Podcasts Connect, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, put in your Apple ID, password, and username, and and then I'm going to send a six-digit number to all your devices and put that in here. And that happens to me. I do that at the Apple Store. I would really like it if when I'm logged in to an Apple device and it has my full authority, I would really like to never have to do that again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that's using Apple's homegrown authentication thing that seems to exist in some places, or is that pass keys, or is that going to be transitioned to pass keys? I don't know. I I just every time I log in somewhere where Apple wants me to put my password into a web login, I think to myself, why am I doing this? Um, shouldn't I be able to use Face ID or Touch ID to authenticate? And so anyway, that's well, that's what I hope we we will get to with this sort of thing. <laughs> From reading Dan's article on Six Colors, you can but if it's your mac you have to authenticate in your iphone <laughs> so in your iphone i know well that's <laughs> Which, part of the problem here yeah it's like i've got i got touch id that should be good enough but but i you know honestly this for feels Apple Pay. like a thing where i expect we'll probably hopefully maybe get there but mm-hmm. it's early like this is early it's a good start. It's a good start. And, and the way that it was phrased, I found fascinating, which is Apple has generated a passkey for you, like for a, for every Apple ID, like Apple has done it, like it's done. You can't say no. It's it's there. You don't have to use it. You don't have to get it. You don't have to do anything. But like they did it. That's good, though. I, I like that. I, I do, too. Just do it. And then I'll decide if I want to use it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple News Plus is getting crossword puzzles. Mm-hmm. This is a surprise to True me. True story. Uh, so if you're an Apple News Plus subscriber, you'll now be able to use crossword puzzles that Apple have made. They've got like more traditional crosswords and they have some simple, uh, what are they called? Five by five crosswords. Mini puzzles, yeah. Mini puzzles. Um, I expect this is a, we're going to do what the New York Times does. Yeah. Yep. That's what it is. Is they're adding value to the News Plus subscription by integrating games starting with you know crosswords um and i don't know where all the crossword content is coming from but I expect apple's I, doing it right like in the same way that they would do music mm. you know they have like editors i, I would assume they have a crossword editor and that person's creating possible crosswords. it also could be that they've got deals with um content providers who 
have their crosswords and that those crosswords will appear in News Plus. That is possible. Right? Like that like they have deals with other content. But I don't know if I like do I get the New York Times crossword puzzle in News Plus? If I if I log in as a New York Times subscriber in News Plus, do I get it then? Well, the answer or, is to those questions is no right now. Is no. Okay. Um, and also it, yeah. from the reporting that I've seen, there are no credits. You know like Apple will sometimes credit uh, people. Oh. So there's no, no like there's no like crossword provided by the, it seems like this is apple's crossword that they have made it does have it has a credit for the creator of the crossword but no like source of the crossword very interesting i think th- so if if you're scratching your head about why this is uh, other than the fact that puzzles traditionally were part of the newspaper you know when newspapers were on paper yeah. um is that new york times has had actually quite a lot of success with its puzzles with its games group and yep. that they view it as a a thing that increases people's um loyalty or i guess julia alexander would have me say decreases churn so i'll say that decreases churn basically you're thinking oh do i really want to keep the new york times and then you say to yourself oh but the puzzle they also offer it mm-hmm. as a separate subscription which i got for my mom like my mom has been on wordle since the beginning she plays wordle every day and when she moved, when it moved to the New York Times, she then found Spelling Bee, and I yes. was like, and I was watching her play, and I was like, "Mom, I'm just gonna buy you this subscription, and you can play as many of these as you want." Yeah. And every single day, she plays Spelling Bee and Wordle, and I'm like, "Great." Lauren does the Spelling Bee and the New York Times crossword every yep. day. Yeah, it's true. So there's power in this, and I think that inside Apple, somebody said, you know, we should build. Uh, this into News Plus because that makes News Plus have that value where, yeah. honestly, it's one of those, <laughs> I look at News Plus, which I use News Plus essentially to read Wall Street Journal articles that I can't read on the internet. Yeah. That's literally what yeah. how I use News Plus. I look at this and I think this is like a good reason to have News Plus for $5 a month or more likely as part of the Apple One bundle. Now you get crosswords and little mini puzzles. Like, that's, I think it's really smart on Apple's part because it can't, it can't have cost. I'm sure there, you know, there's development time and they got to get the puzzles. But like, this seems like a reasonable investment. I'm not saying cheap, but like a reasonable investment to stick a toe in the water of um, creating more um, stickiness for News Plus. Yep. Actually, makes sense to me. Well, I would honestly say not just stickiness, just like a reason, like a point. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I, I don't. I I really don't like. I have a big problem with news services that deliver push notifications. I'll say that as a preface to what mm-hmm. I'm about to say. Like Adina has a notification strategy that I don't fully understand. We, you know, everybody <laughs> has people. Every listener listening to this right now has a person in their life that they love endlessly who has a notification strategy. I don't understand. My wife is that person for me, and she gets mm-hmm. push notifications for Apple News, and the stuff that they give is the most. I don't know who this is meant to be targeting. It is like the biggest breadth of stuff she gets like from big sporting events to world. And it's like, why do you, why do you get these? And she's like, I like to know. I just, but anyway, I don't understand who news plus is supposed to be for. Like, I don't really get the whole point of this thing. Uh, I, and so if, if they can add things like this, it's like, this is actually potentially better for people because it's, they're giving original content of their own, mm-hmm. which yeah. is of use, rather than just mm-hmm. like we bundled up a bunch of services that will work for us on the terms that we've set, which most people don't like. Yeah. Well, 
News Plus is really amorphous. It's like you get access to stuff like magazines and and the Wall Street Journal for some articles, and there's like some stuff bundled in, which is which is good, right? It, I don't I don't pay for the Wall Street Journal, but I can read some of their articles. News Plus that that is a little bit of a value. It is a place that is crying out for other things to add value to that service, whether you're buying it on its own or part of the bundle. It also gets people into the app, which I think is valuable. They put the the sports notifications in there too. Yep. And that's another example of them trying to put other things of value in that service. And so puzzles, yeah, I think it makes complete sense. Even if, is are puzzles news? Well, no, but like the New York Times has shown that you can actually build a pretty successful business on puzzles and puzzles aren't cool. I know, right? Like they're not video games and they're not even iPhone games. They're even if they're on the iPhone, they're like they're slow. They're for older people. And yet they're incredibly popular and older people have money to spend on stuff like this. So yep. let me tell you, uh I think it's a smart idea. Uh, I would just just hey, look, listener, if you get push notifications f- from a news app of any kind, just try turning them off for like two weeks mm. and just see how it makes you feel. I think it's not good. <laughs> like we okay, we don't need our news beamed directly to us. Like we can go get it. Like I, that would that's my recommendation. But moving All on right. from that, uh, Joe Hirabah, who makes Timery, uh, posted on Mastodon some two things that I like the look of coming from Beta Two. Interactive widgets can start live activities. That is a awesome like thing, it. right? So. You use Timery, you start a timer on the, the new interactive widget. It doesn't open Timery, but the live activity begins. And live activities can now have interactive buttons because they are built on the widget framework. So oh. Timery has a button in the live activity currently, and you press that button and it opens the app and stops your timer. But with beta 2, if I now press that button, the timer stops and the live activity ends. Very That's cool. Great. Very cool. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. And LG is the first company to partner with Apple to add AirPlay to their TVs in Mm. quote select hotels later this year. All right. This is something where like I'm happy they're gonna add this, but like Chromecast already exists. Like Apple Mm -hmm. has lost this race. Like I will use this fine, but like I don't feel like I need it. Like I'm not gonna start making hotel choices (laughs) based on AirPlay. No. This is a long game thing. This is this is like them putting a TV app on uh an air or uh yeah, an airplay on like um mm-hmm. TV random TVs mm-hmm. and Roku boxes and things like that. This is a long game. I I think the idea here is Apple would like eventually all TV manufacturers to include this functionality in their hotel mode. Yeah. So that in 5 years or 10 years every TV that's in a hotel has uh, this hotel mode and yep. the hotel mode. I mean, it's not like in some ways this is not super high tech stuff. It's, it's really like um, better integration of what's already there. Cause you can already, t- these TVs already do have this stuff, but I went to um, this was like last year. I think I, I might've even told the story on the podcast, but like there were a bunch of Roku TVs. So like probably LG or well, it's LG do Roku. Maybe not um, Roku TVs in this, uh, hotel we stay at a lot that's right across the street from the basketball arena at university of oregon so not too far away from where the kids live and they had they put on all these fancy new tvs and their roku tvs and i have a roku tv at home so i open it up and i think well can i 
airplay because I know they've got airplay. But it's this weird thing where they're like, they they were all named the same thing. So you couldn't oh. tell which one you were trying to connect to because they had just installed them. They were all pre-selected on the Wi-Fi. And Jason, I was like, well, can that's I read? a fun game. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just play Where's it, it play into, see if it, it's mine. Well, I mm-hmm. couldn't get any of them. I decided to reset it. And what that did is it took it off the Wi-Fi network. Great. And then Great. At, at that point, I sort of just ran away and said, I feel bad for whoever gets this room after me. I've broken the TV now. <laughs> yeah, basically. So. What I'm saying is all that tech was there, but it was broken because of configuration. So what this system is, is it puts a it puts a 2D barcode up, you scan it, and it connects your device to the network. And I believe like tells it what the device is that it's airplaying to, and they make a connection. And then it's like, yes, now you can just airplay to it. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a nice thing. It is not earth shattering because, like I said, I feel like a lot of this tech was probably already there, but they're trying to get it together. My guess is because they put started having devices with airplay in hotels, and people are saying, "What the hell? I can't airplay to this." This just happened in the Airbnb we stayed at last week. Is it had an airplay thing, and I could not get it to work. Hmm. I just, I just couldn't get it to work. Um, so I think that there, that's the value in this, and it's, it's going to take years, right? I think they just want this and all the manufacturers will will put it in like they put in AirPlay and it'll eventually be in there. It's in a hotel room mode so you probably won't even well, see and it. And like they put in Chromecast, right? If you like buy the TV. That, yes, that, exactly. That and Chromecast is already there. Yeah. So it gets Apple stuff in there uh, so that people who are using Apple devices can use AirPlay instead of Chromecast. And and that's good because Chromecast has its limitations. There are things I can only do on Chromecast and there are things I can only do on AirPlay. So um, yeah, anyway, good, My you know, question check on back, that, though. check back in in 10 years on this. We'll make this part of the decades. Maybe, maybe AirPlay <laughs> has changed. And I think AirPlay 2 did change. Like if I initiate an AirPlay, say of a YouTube video, my phone's not involved in that anymore, right? Depends. Depends. If it, if a device has AirPlay 2, I believe that's the idea is that it picks it up and it does the streaming like Chromecast. If it doesn't have support for that, it will just take the video. Yeah. This is what I ran into actually at that Airbnb over the weekend is I wanted to watch something from Netflix on my iPad and I chose the TV to, I think, cast to it. I think it was using Chromecast stuff. And what it did was open the Netflix app on the TV <laughs> And try to go to that thing and then say, oh, no, I'm not logged in. And then it gave up. I'm like, um. That's weird. Or you could just play the video that I'm trying to play. But it was trying to do a handoff because it had a Netflix app. And I actually ran into the Netflix password sharing thing because these people actually were logged in. But they they had a, a, a user for their Airbnb. And Netflix was like, this doesn't appear to be you know, you, are you, and I'm like, oh, no, I just got them in trouble with Netflix. Huh. And like, I walked away from that, too. And I just watched it on my iPad. I wonder if like hotels have like a specific configuration, right? That stops that. Cause I, I've never hit that in a hotel, but maybe in an Airbnb where it's someone's television. Depends on the TV implementation yeah. too. Anyway, yeah. I, I think this is, I suspect that this is um, somebody at Apple who's in charge of this stuff, uh, talking to hotel partners or having this experience with people in hotels and realizing that there are some things that they could do to upgrade the, the in-room version of this so good for them and then yeah and then wait until every tv is turned over in every hotel room so years i had a a thought i don't know if there is an answer to this i don't know if you know the answer to this but i would Mm. be intrigued if somebody did know so i was watching a video that david sparks did for his max sparky labs where he was showing off how good the new dictation is uh, with the transformer model that apple's using and it is way better and it does things that i would want um 
dictation to do more reliably, which is like punctuation and stuff like that. Which I know the last one that the, the, the last update that they did added some of that, but this looked much more uh, successful actually transcribing what he was saying. And it was making me wonder if Apple is using this machine learning model for the new Siri, where you now can remove the hey command. The reason it made me think this is if they're using a more advanced machine learning model, maybe it has a better uh, accuracy rate of understanding if it's actually being asked to command, right? Right. That like people phrase things differently and if i'm just if like if it thinks i've said that word but it's in the middle of a sentence that maybe it would just disregard it more and i'm i was just wondering if that's the case and maybe that's why they've been able to do this is they have more powerful machine learning for siri and if they do that could be really cool but i haven't heard them mention that but i do wonder why wouldn't they be using this speech detection model for Siri if they're using it for like the keyboard and for dictation. I don't know. Well, maybe Mike's uh, army of secret informants could uh, inform us about this. My guess is that for understanding what you're saying, it's possible that they're using the the model to better understand, you know, what you're saying. Like there's, there's the act of taking speech and making a text, but Mm -hmm. then interpreting the text, it might be using that model. But my guess about dropping the hay from the command is that they've actually done machine learning training to detect what a voice sounds like when it's giving a command and and maybe what they're saying. Like a um, sentiment right? analysis kind of thing. Yeah, right? like it, it, it's actually... Mm. And with machine learning, you could do this. You could you could train it on lots of people trying to give a smart assistant a command and lots of people just having regular conversations. And theoretically, you could train it so that it, it is with much better confidence able to differentiate between when you say the trigger word followed by stuff that it's a command versus when it's not a command. And I think you'd have to do that if you're going to shorten it like that is you'd really need to detect that this is a command. They have to do this a little bit on the Apple watch because there's the whole, you know, you raise it up and then you just speak a command. And, but, but a lot of times you're raising your arm just to raise your arm and you're not speaking at a command. You're just speaking. And it has to do some detection there to try and figure out if you're actually talking to it or not. So that's my guess is that it's actually been trained to figure out what is probably a, a command for the assistant and what is just a, you know, a mistake that, you know, it's not, it's not, it, we're just mentioning the assistant's name. We're not giving it a command. Hmm. Uh, over the weekend, you told me that you have an aggressive beta strategy for this summer. That were the words you used. You're, you're, yeah, you're over, emphasizing aggressive here but yes i my plan is to my plan is to go on the beta sooner rather than later okay i um i always the truth is i always regret waiting too long okay i always regret installing it on a second system or on an external drive in case of mac os and using it but not really using it because i'm not i'm not actually using it with my stuff right i'm not actually using it in my main context i'm using it in a a secondary context so i think this year i am going to I think I'm going to put my Mac on the beta and I'm going to leave my my Mac Studio on the beta and I'm going to leave the MacBook Air not on the beta specifically. So basically I'm going to have to embrace like uh, doing podcasts with the MacBook Air. 
for example. You've done that so many times, though. Like, you always get there. Well, in fact, I did that one one year. I had the Mac Mini server in my office still at that point, and I bought a really long USB cable, and I was actually just recording on the Mac Mini. <laughs> All my microphones were plugged into the Mac Mini instead. Um, so yeah, it, it can be done. If, if Audio Hijack isn't going to work with the beta, I can do that. Uh, but that gives me time with it. And likewise, the I, iPad. And I think the the other one that's scary is the iPhone, but I think I'm just going to I'm gonna embrace it and put the iPhone on it and put the Apple Watch on it and just see what happens. And if things break or are frustrating for the summer, that's just how it goes. But like, I, I, I really do want to live with this stuff. And, and I always shy away from it. And it's like, again, oh, I'll just, I'll install it on a different phone or on a different iPad or on a, on a Mac I reboot into. But then, you know, you're not using it. You're you're a tourist in the beta. I've said this before. It's like, and it's just deeply unfulfilling to be a beta tourist because you're not living your life there. You need to you need to live with the betas, not visit them, if that makes any sense. So Correct. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do I again did install beta one. Now we're on beta two. We may be there at the point where it might even happen this week. I I kind of like cut over to it and just suffer the consequences because I need to spend the you know quality time with this stuff. I agree with you, which I think I am mentally committing to beta three, where beta three is the earliest I'll, I've ever gone on. Yeah, um, but I'll probably think, be the the public beta too. Yes, we'll, probably beta also will be beta three. I think. Oh, you think it will be three? Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I suspect it could be earlier. four, but like July is what they said. So uh, you know, maybe if three goes well, they'll they'll flip that one okay. out. Otherwise, it'll be four. Um, yeah, I was wondering if it would be two, but I think you're right. It's probably going to be three. Um, and I I yeah, think I'm going to go then. I think I'm going to go then for, for the same reason. I'm not going to move any Macs to it. I don't think it's not important for me realistically right. um, to do that. But I don't know. Maybe the widgets. Like maybe I'll move my MacBook Air. Like I, I don't record I don't on know. that machine. So right. we'll see. But I, I, I'm going to go with the iPhone. Um, I, I think I'm not going to... I would like to maybe not do my iPad because I find myself in a situation where I can't do any banking for the summer and that becomes complicated. <laughs> None of the banking apps, all my banking apps just, uh, just yes. lock me out because they think I've jailbroken mm-hmm. my iPhone, which is just like a incredibly ridiculous thing. Like it yeah. fr- frustrates me greatly. I have one uh, before we leave the details behind. Mm-hmm. I, I a thought occurred to me having spent a, a couple of weeks in New Zealand. I wonder how New Zealanders or Kiwis, if they want to be called that, pronounce beta. Because New Zealanders change the vowel. So are they changing the vowel from beta to something else? Do, do they say beta? <laughs> but they mean beta? Or I, I don't know, right? right? Like, because there's we have different vowel sounds between uh, how, how James pronounces it and how we pronounce it, beta and beta. Um, well, I mean, and New Zealanders I, I should change saying, the vowels. I should be saying beta. I should you should be, be saying beta yes. too. I know, yes. but you you don't. But I don't. Except in details. Uh-huh. So I I would love to hear from a Kiwi about how they pronounce beta because I honestly I can't determine how it is because they it's like too many vowel changes there. So please, somebody from New Zealand, um, tell me how you pronounce beta. I'm gonna ask you to contact Jason on on Mastodon. I I had the the, the feeling there that I was gonna say to send it in, but sure. no, I, I don't. Jason I feel L like I'm gonna end up with every person at, from New Zealand at Zeppelin dot flights. There you go on Mastodon. Jason L at Zeppelin dot flights.
This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Electric. When leading a small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours onboarding employees, which, of course, you're well-equipped to do this. But maybe you don't have the time anymore. I think at the point where you are onboarding lots of employees, you probably don't have the time to do it anymore, which is why you need the employees in the first place. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face challenges, which is why they're on hand to help with time-consuming parts of your business. Things like standardized device security that you want best-in-class device management software for it, right? So you can implement best practices across the board and be ready to scale. What about employee onboarding and offboarding done for you, saving you an average of eight hours per request? Plus, Electric will help you keep a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications, while simplified reporting will allow you to achieve and maintain compliance. Electric also have proactive IT recommendations for you and automated workflows to make IT easy to manage for even non-technical users. If you're hearing this and think your company could use some of these services, but you're not sure where to start, Electric's experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. As a business grows, things like standardization becomes very important. You want that. As a business owner, you don't want to have to be worrying about people doing wild things on their devices that you're giving them. You want Electric to help you sort all of this out. For upgrade listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai upgrade. That's electric.ai upgrade. Go there right now and you can get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show and Relay FM. So over the last week, the Vision Pro SDK was released. So this wasn't yeah. made available at WWDC. I had the thought, Jason, that maybe mm-hmm. this was a purposeful thing so people would spend time with the other SDKs. I don't know that to be the case, but it came out so soon after that it doesn't really feel like a case of like, oh, it wasn't ready yet. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it might be that, that there are like aspects of the release that would have required people to be brought into the circle of trust and they decided not to do that until until the the product was ready to go and they had to rename everything to Vision OS from XR OS and all of that kind of stuff. That's a good point. Also... And we've talked about this since the announcement, right? The idea that Apple controlled what Vision OS is uh, and what the Vision Pro is like so tightly about like, what do we want to talk about? What do we not want to talk about about the experience? What do we want to show? What do we not want to show? And there's always more to be gleaned as we are now gleaning uh, from the SDK. And so I think the other part of it was if you don't release the SDK, you control 100% of people's perception of the product for the first few weeks. And then you can release the SDK. So I think it's some combination, like it has the benefit of allowing them to completely control the flow of information on this product for a little while when it's at its most, where people are most attentive to it. And that there are probably like people involved in posting this stuff who were not in the loop and had to be brought into the loop. So as you can imagine with this, there's lots of details and I've compiled a few things that I thought were pretty interesting that I wanted to talk to you about. So obviously Great. we're along with the, the uh, Are the these S-D-tail-Ks? No. S-D-K-D-T? No. No? No? 
We don't have a clever name for this one? I don't, know Because I'm not expecting Interesting things in the SDK. All right. Yes, I'm not expecting this to be a recurring segment throughout the summer. Okay. Uh, unless Apple keep releasing SDKs that we don't know about. If SDK they do, tales. Woohoo! If Apple no. continue to release other SDKs, I will make the commitment to make this a recurring segment and come okay, up with a fun thank name you. for it. Thank until you. that <laughs> until that time, no fun names. Okay, uh, fine. So, summer of no fun summer names. Summer of fun names, just for this segment. Uh, there's obviously tons of practical and technical information. They also have a new human interface guidelines update, which is also interesting to read through if you're a developer but because all of this is available so is the simulator and with that i think comes the stuff that is the most interesting to me and maybe the stuff that's most interesting to many members of our audience like for example we now have details about the guest mode of vision os because there are some prompts about how the guest mode of Vision OS uh-huh. works when you try to enable it. So you'll kind of give it a bunch of prompts. It has to be enabled when you're inside of the headset. So you're wearing the headset and you'd be like, I want to enable guest mode. You can create a passcode that will be entered by the person when they put the headset on or not. It's up to them. And there's a five minute window where if the guest mode is not started, it just reverts back to your right. state. So basically will require your Iris ID that's what they're calling it, right? Or are they calling it IID? Yeah. I've forgotten now. Is it? Uh, yeah, I forget. Is it IID? I don't think it is. I think that was a joke. No, I don't remember. It's not. Someone will confirm this. I think they call it Iris ID. Um, so basically, I think this makes sense in a way because it's optic not optic ID. Is it optic ID? Okay. Optic ID. Optic ID. So it's not going to be a blank user account they're going to be seeing your user account, your stuff, which I think is the right way to do this. It's essentially the same as handing your iPhone unlocked or your iPad unlocked to a friend to look at something where they can use it, but what it's doing is it's blocking out some stuff, right? So that you, you know, they're not going to be able to look at your most personal things, but they'll be able to try it out. I don't know that. I mean, I assume that. But like, I, I think so. I don't know that like stuff is yeah. not shown. Read my emails. Go ahead. Because I can't see it. That, <laughs> I'm watching that is the here. difference. Like, <laughs> I mean, what, I'm sure that there'll be some stuff that maybe is behind the, the scan, right? But it is different to giving somebody your iPhone in that you actually can't observe. See what them. they're doing. You, you, yeah, are, that's you true. are not able to see what they that's are true. up to while they are uh, in your headset experience. Unless, Unless one of the parts of this experience is what they had for us in the demos, right? Where somebody was watching along with what we were doing on an iPad. And I wonder if that's going to be one of the features is that Maybe. if one person's doing this, that there's the ability to, this would also help us for things like screen captures, the ability to project what somebody is seeing on another device, uh, which might be. So maybe that would be a feature of guest mode is that your host, the host can follow along on an iPad or on an Apple TV or something while the guest is doing whatever they're doing. I would like them to add that. I don't have a lot of hope for it because that feels like quite a complicated thing. I don't know. I mean, they already built a version of it for the demo. And actually, I think I feel like that for the purposes of press, you're going to have to be able to to capture and that might be a way to do it very similar to how we capture an apple tv which Mm -hmm. is you sort of like set it up on another device that's on the same wireless network and you're able to basically capture a video source i i would bet that that's what it's going to be is that there will be a way to do it but it's going to be not like airplay and more like 
having to set up the you know setting up Xcode or whatever or or having it show up in QuickTime Player as a as a video source something like that. You have to pair it, put in a, the code, all of those things. But I bet you'll be able to capture um, or view that way. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think I heard on the talk show John Gruber was mentioning about like what a screenshot's going to be like, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, what will they be like? Like, I, I don't know what they're going to look like. Will it be the whole what you see? Will it be the just the app you snap you're looking your, at? Snap both of your fingers at once and it takes a screenshot. Oh, what will it be? Anyway, so uh, Mac Story has put together a good roundup of early developer reactions to the simulator in the SDK. So a bunch of developers like compiling their apps for the first time and showing what they look like and talking about the ways that they're broken. Um, it seems like realistically it's trivial to get an iPad app running in Vision OS. It's just an iPad app, right? Like it, it, right. Fr- from what I could understand, it doesn't, it doesn't have like the anything. fancy translucency yes, and stuff just like an iPad. that. It's very clearly... It will not, if you're a, if, which not, none of these people exist yet, but if you're like a savvy user of a Vision Pro, you'll know it's just an iPad app, mm-hmm. right? Because it just looks like an iPad app. But when you do the compiling for Vision OS specifically, you get the frosted glass look, that kind of floating pane effect. I've right. seen people talking about the fact of like, and it makes sense, dark mode isn't a thing because you can't make it dark. I would, I would right. say that there is a potential for dark mode to work with this device depending on an environment that you're in like there are environments which are the like the vr places you can go into the fully immersed things that are dark like they're night so maybe you would want a dark mode but if it's that frosted glass it just will i assume will adapt and maybe will dim in the ui itself right right? There are no dark modes, just dark rooms. Yes, like seriously, like it's yeah. you know, like if if in the way that if you have transparency on the Mac and you have an app of a sidebar, it adapts to your wallpaper. So I would yeah. expect Vision Pro apps would do the same, but you would still want the iPad apps to have dark modes, which they would, I'm assuming, because iPad apps can. So your eyes wouldn't be blinded when you're using some kind of iPad app in that environment. But when developers do compile for Vision OS then the work is needed because there will be elements of your user interface that maybe won't look right, but then also you want to take um, advantage of things. I think they're called adornments is the name that Apple's giving it for like these controls that are in their own window that maybe sit to the side or in front of the main uh. UI, which is like one of the telltale signs of Vision OS is these little controls that like pop out on the side and maybe have like a different angle to them and stuff and look really cool. But realistically, ornaments, that's, uh, says James, uh, uh, not adornments. I, I was close. I was close. Yeah. Uh, realistically, iPad apps, it's good that they're there, but they're going to be a fallback. What we're going to want is Vision OS apps when we're using Vision OS, but for the companies that won't want to do the work, like Google, uh, I'm sure <sighs> with Google Docs and Google Sheets, uh, the option will still be there, which I think is the right call. And they're not going to feel, I think it will be out of place, but I don't think as out of place as, say, using an iPhone app on an iPad. Like, they're not going to look sure. visually right, but they're going to work functionally right, I feel right. like. And, and that will be yeah. cool, at least. Like, almost like they're running, you know, just like the Mac stuff is running in a window. It's almost like that. Like, mm-hmm. this is sort of coming from the iPad and running here. It's not, it doesn't belong here, but but it is here. Yeah. One of the things that was rumored 
was the idea of being able to take apps and put them in a physical space and leave that space and come back to it and they're still there, right? Like this is one of the things that Mark Goman was talking about. And in our demos, we weren't given an experience like that, but we could still assume that that would be the, pl- the, the case because of the way that the, the windows seemed to work, but we were in this one room. Well, uh, the the simulator, which is hilarious, by the way, because it's like an apartment. You have like this whole apartment and there's all these yeah. different uh, rooms in the apartment. But it is cool because then we get to see things like this where Steve Trout Smith was doing a bunch of this of opening his various apps in the simulator and putting them in physical places in this room. Like one of the things that I wanted them to do and I'm happy you could do is like take an audio player and like pin it to a desk, like flat on a desk. You know, so you could, I could imagine maybe you'd have like widgets, right? Or like a clock or something like quote unquote widgets, an app that looks like a widget. Like say my time tracking app, right? I would want Timery to just live above my computer screen. And if I walk away and come back, right. I could leave the room and come back, but it's always going to be there. And it looks like that is the way it will work. And Steve Trouton Smith posted some stuff where he had like one app in the kitchen, one app in the living room and they stayed in those physical locations. How that works for window management, I don't know, but it's cool that it's there. Yeah, James Thompson had a had a uh, a picture of he's standing in one room with PCALC and through the door to the kitchen is the settings app. Yep. It's like, ah, settings app's in the kitchen. Just uh, go to the kitchen if you need any settings. I've left the settings there for you. Uh, weird, but uh, fun. This is the spatial part of spatial computing. Like it's in the mm-hmm. physical space that you're in. I keep th- I keep thinking about and and maybe some of this is in there or maybe this is just left for future versions or whatever, but I keep thinking about apps as as like spatial objects. So like Steve Trotton Smith's got broadcasts mm-hmm. uh you know and it's on a desk or something and I keep thinking like I almost want to when when I'm listening to a, a, a broadcast in Vision OS, I almost want to like have like a little radio. Yes, I've been thinking about this too. That's the audio emitter for broadcasts, or maybe even the idea of think about like minimizing an app. Could I minimize broadcasts into a little object that I could put somewhere, and the audio would radiate from it like a radio? So I think yes, Jason, because there are there are three types of experiences that a developer can make. They can make windows, volumes, and spaces. Sure. Right. And volumes are described sure. as add depth to your app for 3D volume. Volumes are switch UI scenes that can showcase 3D content using Reality Kit or Unity, creating experiences mm. that are viewable from any angle in the shared space or an app's full space. And I could imagine a developer creating a little cube, for example, that you put on the desk. So Steve, Steve, who's got a 3D printer, so Steve could just get on this. Um, <laughs> but that's hard, a, like a, right? Like that. Like, that's yeah, the hard it is. Work. It is. But I'm really intrigued by that idea. And the other example I had was, um, or I've got a couple. One would be like uh, Timery. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, Timery interface. But I would love just uh, t- trying to think about this. What if there was like a, an indicator, a light, or a sign, or something you could put somewhere that yep. would be your timery status? Yep. And you could put it somewhere, and it would be like a little green light if you're in green, or red light if you're in red, uh, or a little indicator that says this is the mode that you're in that you could put somewhere. Because that—that's part. When I start to think about spatial computing, I start to think about about objects that are not soft. Well, there are software objects that are not UI. That are that are indicators, um, just like I've got you know I've got a clock under my TV that shows the temperature and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I've got I've got these little devices around my house. I like that idea of of 
you know, yes, it's driven by an app, but I just want to have the indicator somewhere and I actually don't care about the app right now. I can have broadcasts not visible or it's in another room, but I want the radio to come with me. I want to put the radio here that's playing it. Or I want PCALC to be able to project the the number, the answer onto the wall or, you know, something like that. I don't know what, but like where it's where it's more like you're manifesting Instead of it all just being inside a window, you're manifesting it into an object or projecting it into the space. I think that's really interesting. So like when I was, I I mentioned this, I think on this show, I was talking about it a bit before, like my imagination told me that like skeuomorphism is going to be back in a way in which we've (laughs) we've never even imagined. But in a way that I think this makes more sense than it did back then in the modern context of like, well, you can make the UI look 3D because... It will look 3D, so why not go for that? The other, so thinking about broadcasts a little bit more, I would say think about what Apple has done, and historically, it's this is from back from the very beginning with the iTunes and now music app mini player, right? There's this idea that you take this complex mode and then you just collapse it down to it's all like a widget almost it is its tiniest thing where it still shows a little album art it tells you what the track is it's got like a play pause button or whatever but it's very very limited but it's tiny it's tiny and there's something nice about that that's what i keep thinking about with the spatial computing stuff is could you you know i don't and and maybe as i'm not a developer maybe this is going on but like there are times when you want an interface there are times when you want to set set it up and then just let it run and that's whether that's minimizing it or whether that's considering it like a different mode or whether there's an extension to the app that is a different thing like if i'm listening to a podcast while i'm working do i want the broadcast interface up while i'm doing that or would i rather have a radio or a little like thing that looks like a TV that it's got the podcast art on it and or maybe it's got a waveform or whatever but it's like an object from which the audio emanates that I can place anywhere and it's not user interface or it, it, it's very light user yeah, interface. spatial audio I'm intrigued so the I'm audio can come from the little box too well, right we know we yeah. know that that's how that works right yeah. because we saw that in our demo that if yeah. you take FaceTime and you put it in the upper left the voice comes from the upper left so that would be uh, yes I would be able to place my broadcast radio wherever I want off to my left and then I turn away from it and it would be off to my left where I placed it and just like a like you'd put a real radio right I mm-hmm. think that's I, I, I I'm excited about that I think this spatial computing stuff is more exciting when you start to think about it's not just a bunch of computer windows floating in the air right? right that it can be more than just computer windows that are essentially 2d floating in the air i know that james thompson is saying you know dice by peacock would be a volume because he would have a tray that would be a physical object that you could see uh, in three-dimensional space where the dice would roll and like yeah. that makes sense too like i i get that i just keep thinking about like you could have extensions to apps that are more like physical objects and i like that idea yeah i it's complicated. I, I empathize with developers because I think oh, yeah. the apps that are going to quote unquote win, the apps that people are going to buy on day one just to try them out, right, will be apps that have these kinds of elements to them, right? Where like, oh, I heard about this app that it plays radio and it's shaped yeah. like a radio and you can put the radio on your desk. It's like that kind of stuff is going to be incredibly compelling to people. I don't know if it will be more than a fad, but it, I think it will work, and I think people will really like those kinds of experiences. 
James Thompson's going to be able to buy a new house with uh, the success of James Thompson's Banana Drop by Peacalc, which does nothing but drop objects into your mm-hmm. living room. Uh, like, yeah, there's going to be some aspect of that, which is, you know, show this stuff off. I want to see it. And it's going to be similar to some of the experiences we've seen in AR and yeah. iPhones and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, the, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by how this can go beyond just a bunch of windows with 2d planes, mm-hmm. because that's interesting. But like, why are you wearing this thing is not just probably not just so that you can have a whole bunch of windows 2d windows in 3d space there is this element of using computers and the physical space in conjunction and how those two interact so the developer of uh crouton his name's devon devon crouton Crouton, i think that's the name but we'll call them that for this segment uh devon crouton was showing off how in their like the recipe app when they have like individual timers for the things that you're cooking and what they're playing around with is like popping out those timers and attaching them to like to the oven, to the hob. Yeah, that's so the way. Rather than multiple timers just existing, your timers are stuck to the things that are being timed. Now, I was talking in a group about this. I love this idea. I would not use Vision Pro when I'm cooking, but there yeah. is a device in the future that I would, right? Like, that's right. the idea here. But like these are the things where like, hey, if you've got an idea, you just play with it and just see this is where great greatness comes from. But like that was a is a genius idea to me. The problem is I wouldn't want to use this device, I don't think, while I'm cooking a meal. It feels a little big for that. But this is just the beginning. So uh, developers have got the uh, simulator, but one of the things we were talking about is the, how a developer is going to actually try these things out. I think in quite a surprise twist, underscore David Smith was posting about the fact that the first in-person labs that Apple will be running in various locations around the world happen in July. Yep. Which is incredibly early. Yeah. But and why not? And development teams will be able to apply for developer kits. Uh, so one of the things that Mark Gurman mentioned in his newsletter this week, friend of the show, Mark Gurman, is that the hardware is done. And I've heard that through other sources as well. The hardware is done. Everything that's coming between now and January is really the software. Okay. But if you think about that, what that means is developer kits will be are, are available because they're making them. And it's basically final hardware. Yeah. So it's going to be great as a developer kit. So why would they not seed with developer kits? So I think that we're going to see it. Now, the developer kits may be, they have to be tethered to a Mac or they, and they've got to have a lot of limitations and they're not going to have the full OS. And like, I get it, but it feels like um, that's going to happen sooner than people think. And maybe even at volumes that people will be surprised by. Not everybody's going to want to, going to be able to get them, right? No. They're going to have a limited supply. People are going to apply. They're going to have to show their work. Um, and Apple's going to have to approve Apple them. Apple has to but prioritize, it feels, yeah. Like they have yeah, to. but it feels like that hardware is is there. So if you're if it's there and you're making it, seeding those as developer units is a great idea. And like the product's out there now, and it won't it won't tell the whole story because it won't be the full on OS, right? It'll be a developer unit. I'm sure there'll be sites that write stories about, oh well, we oh, got sure. to try it and all of that. But it's not going to be the same because it's going to be in this developer mode. But like they could totally ship final final ish hardware. Uh, if the these reports and what I'm hearing are true, you know the hardware is pretty good, pretty solid. It's it's the software stuff that's got to come. So uh, it would make a good developer kit. 
I look forward to the app that we're going to make, you know? Me and you are going to get into the app development game. We're going to apply for mm. a, a kit, right? I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, just a couple of other tidbits on Vision Pro not related to the SDK. So Wayne Maher at The Information is reporting on a few features currently missing from the Vision Pro that could either still be in development or scrapped. So Apple had planned on there being more fitness and wellness and uh, kind of experiences. They've apparently discussed collaborations with companies like Nike, um, and also had a, a thing where you could use like the, the Vision Pro and interact with content, watch content while on uh, stationary bikes and equipment like that, but there's none of that yet. I expect this is coming, but we'll find out. Uh, full body tracking is another thing. Apparently, these devices have the ability to track the movement of your entire body, but the software will not be able to do this by the time of release. Who knows if it will be added later on or when. Um, and there was also an emphasis on gaming that was pulled back a bit. And this was, I, I, I rewatched the keynote uh, over the weekend. I, I've been meaning to do it and I, and I finally got around to doing it because I just wanted to take in the information one more time. Um, and one of the things I was struck by in the Vision Pro segment is how they were, I think, quite clear about this is just the beginning of our story on gaming. And like that was one of the bigger kind of like, hey, we promise there's more than just play the Apple Arcade game of a PlayStation controller. Right. But we don't want to talk about it right now. But they can't which I think talk is, about it. I think that was a uh, very specific choice to not talk about it in that way and not have the whole thing be framed as a gaming device, which yep. I think is smart, yep. even if it is also going to be that. Yeah, Mark Gurman said something about how fitness was pulled out of the plan for this product and might not exist until the next product, which I find I don't, I don't know. Like, I find that really d disappointing if it's true. And also, I'm not sure quite how they could do it because, like, there will be fitnessy apps for this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's going to happen. And so, for Apple to be like, yeah, but not Fitness Plus yet, because you'll have to buy another one for Fitness Plus in two years. Like, I kind of, I'm skeptical about that. I, I mean, maybe, I mean, again, Mark Gurman, he has good sources, but I, I wonder whether that's, Fitness is not going to be in this hardware. Fitness Plus is not going to be in this hardware. Or if it's, it's not going to be in the shipping version and that they will follow it up down the line because they're two different things, right? They could use this hardware and do a software update to make it stronger as they go. But, you know, obviously you've got to pick your spots when you're shipping 1.0. So is it that or is it like, nope, we're not going to even, we built it into the hardware, but we're not going to use it because we decided it wasn't good enough and we're just going to wait for the next version. That's the stuff we don't know. Uh, talking about Mark Gurman in his news editor, he uh, believes, he said that he believes that the top strap for the headset, so the one that goes over the top of your head, the one that we use, the one that's in that one uh -huh. shot in the keynote, will be an additional purchase. Apple apparently does not consider it to be essential at this stage. Hmm. All I'll say is they certainly seemed to think that it was essential yes. for its very important press demos. Yes, I think it is probably, I, I would say that that is an essential uh, piece of the puzzle. And when I order mine, you can rush self-assured, even if it's a $50 thing, $100 thing, I'll add it because it will definitely add uh, comfort for the device. The top strap is so, I, I, I can't, yeah, if this is true, that it's an additional purchase, I guess it will come down to Apple's confidence that people can use it comfortably without. Because if they keep using it and everybody keeps saying, mm, I really need the top strap, yep. then I think you got to put the because top look, strap. Because who knows? Box. Maybe the situation was if you don't have the right light shield fitting, 
the top right. strap is help more helpful. And so maybe yeah, we have be. yet to have that full experience, you know, so like maybe, but I'm not convinced. The lack of a complete set of, t- of, uh, t- of uh, light shields for this thing suggests that the accessory <laughs> accessories for this product are still in play. Yep. If that makes sense, yep. that uh, I think it's all to play for, right? They may they may end up saying, "Oh, geez, we really do need this top strap," or they may get the light shields where they want them and say it's it's it really isn't essential. But wherever they were for our demos, it certainly was essential for our demos. Yep. But our de- our demos had a limited supply of sizes of those light shields, so mm-hmm. maybe those are connected. Yeah, and I, I mentioned this, but I was told, and I think you were too, that. The, the the conversation around straps and headbands like like the, the situation was not finalized at the time yeah. that we had our thing they they were not willing to say whether like what is the actual state of this and how will it ship so in fact i i think there's a difference between apple didn't say because they don't want it to be part of the conversation and apple said they didn't know yes and in this case they said they didn't know they right they said, said specifically it's all up in the air. We're still working on it. There will be more available at launch. They were very clear, in fact, very clear for for Apple actually, <laughs> which is not uh, sometimes is mysterious. It was like, yeah, it's not done, right? Like they they had this freedom because they've pre-announced this product so far in advance that they're like, yeah, that part's not done. Yeah. So we'll see. I I, I think I, I like Mark's report here. I think that the answer is going to be um, if it's essential, it will be included. And they have time to continue to evaluate whether it turns out that the top strap is essential versus not. This episode is brought to you by Ladder. I'm going to guess that like me, you will also sometimes have a tendency to put some stuff off until the last minute. Whether it's those things you don't want to do, like going to the DMV arranging a dental checkup, which is something I never want to do, or getting to that home improvement project that you've had on your list on the fridge for six months. You know the kinds of things I'm talking about. While most of the time, this isn't a big problem, the one thing in your life that you cannot afford to wait on is setting up term coverage life insurance. I am sure you have seen commercials and thought, I'll get to that later on, but this isn't something that you want to wait on especially when it's so simple. Just choose life insurance through Ladder today. Ladder is 100% digital. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, you just answer a few questions about your health in an application. Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and they made Forbes' best life insurance list of 2021. You just need a few minutes and a phone or a laptop to apply. Ladder has smart algorithms that work in real time, so you'll find out if you're instantly approved. There are no hidden fees and you can cancel at any time, and you'll get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Ladder policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A plus by A and Best. And since life insurance costs more as you age, now's the time to cross it off your list. That's why you don't want to wait. Go to ladderlife.com slash upgrade today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash upgrade. One last time, that is ladderlife.com slash upgrade. A thanks to Ladder for the support of this show and Relay FM. For the summer of fun this week, Jason Snell, I want to play a game of higher or lower with you. So, Mark Gurman, in his Power On newsletter, detailed his expectations for Apple's product roadmap over the next 12 to 18 months. 
I'm going to go through with you. We're going to talk about all of these items and we will rank our excitement for each item higher or lower than the one before. We'll have a baseline that we'll start with. We'll talk about the next one and we'll say if we are more or less excited for this product than the one that came before it. Okay. Start with the iPhone 15. So this is our baseline, which I will just ask, are you excited about the iPhone 15, the baseline model? And I will remind you that from rumors, we're expecting this one to have a dynamic island and USB-C. It's kind of probably the two big things for this device. Given that I preferred the lower end iPhone in terms of its design for the last few years, I am actually somewhat excited about that and the idea that they're going to get the dynamic island so that it will spread across the product line. More people will get to experience the dynamic island. I think that's fun. So sure. And I will actually say for those two reasons, I am also like more excited about this device than I would be normally considering I prefer the Pro phones because I think this will be a good jump for the iPhone 15 and the dynamic island rolling out across more devices will only increase the adoption for more people. So I am also excited. But are you more or less excited about the iPhone 15 Pro, which is expected to get a titanium frame and a periscope lens? I'm encouraged with the titanium and i'm intrigued by the improved camera but i'm gonna say less less excited why because i because i've just been disappointed with the pro phones lately i i think the colors are boring and they're heavy so maybe the titanium will help there and the cameras are nice but like i'm intrigued by the periscope lens like i said but i don't know it's because i'm a man of the people mike i think the people want the iphone 15 I'm obviously more excited about the iPhone 15 Pro. Obviously. Because the titanium frame just is intriguing to me. I'm just, I want to know what that's all about, but I'm most excited for the periscope lens because the periscope lens is only expected to be on the very best phone, which is the phone that I choose, which is the, the Pro big, Max big, phone. The big, big, big phone. The big, oh, it big, makes me even big less phone. excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, actually, yes. For you, less for me, yeah. more. Yeah. So now we'll move to a different product line and see how that's changed. Okay. this changes things. Apple Watch Series 9, which... For everything I could find today, the only rumor that I could find is it's going to get a new chip. Like That's kind of it. It doesn't really seem like anybody's expecting a lot out of this. Are you more or less excited about the Apple Watch Series 9 than the iPhone 15 Pro? Oh, let's just say less. There's, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be much here. I don't, I don't know at what point Apple is going to do the thing and redesign the Apple Watch. Like I don't know what... It, are they just waiting for 10? I don't know. I don't know. And, they, you know, the or is the Apple Watch Ultra kind of the, they, they're more concerned with spreading out the product line than they are redesigning the base model that everybody's familiar with. And maybe that, you know, in the end, there yeah. will be another Apple Watch design in addition to the shape of the classic Apple Watch. I don't know. Um, they're certainly, I mean, certainly, I, I know our listeners might be different, but like, there's no reason to buy an Apple Watch every year or even every other year. It's like it's it, there. The progress is slow, but it's steady. They need to come out with a new one every year, I think, for for various reasons. But but you know, they're they're picking up new buyers and people who've got like Lauren just got a new <laughs> Apple Watch because she reached the end of her rope mm -hmm. with her Series Four. Okay, so there you go. She went from Series Four to you know late stage of Series Eight. Uh, that feels like an Apple Watch buying cycle to me. So, yep. you know, I'm not excited. I have a se Series 7, I think. You know, I look at this and I think, whatever, I'm I'm fine with mine. But nice, great. It's out there for people who, who are ready to update from something or from nothing. 
Yeah, my excitement is lower. That I think the the Apple Watch, the baseline Apple Watch, like it's becoming. They, I don't think this should be on an annual cycle. This product, the, mm. the regular Apple Watch, I think it's becoming harder and harder for Apple to tell a story every time. But yeah, they tell a story every time. Like, I, I feel like would it not just be easier for them to release one every eighteen, like on the iPad cycle or something? My counter argument is that they, it's an Apple, it's an iPhone accessory, so they like it to come out with the iPhones, and you know they're not they're not really breaking their backs on these updates they're they're incremental i think they just like having the increment and it's it's worth it in other words it's worth it for them to increment from eight to nine you're right when we're trying to cover it and we're looking at their story that they're telling it's so limited because the pace is so slow most of the time but obviously it works for them in the market to just kind of like Iterate. Remember, they've been iterating using the same package for a few years now. Maybe it'd be better to just now have an Apple Watch, right? Like, because now they have multiple. So maybe just an Apple Watch gets an update every year. But mm. maybe that's going to take a longer time, to which I will get to the Apple Watch Ultra. Mark Gurman is saying that there will be a second version this year. I was wondering if this will be called Series 2 or if they just won't name it or what. I'm, I don't yeah. know about that. Uh, there aren't any particular rumors about the Apple Watch Ultra, about an update for it. Now, it was rumored that the next Apple Watch Ultra would maybe get a larger micro LED display, but this mm. was expected to be 2024. So maybe that is still for 2024, and there will be a 2023 version with the new chip in it or something. Yeah. Um, I will say my excitement for this is higher, higher than any, I'm breaking tradition, higher than any of the other things on this list because I really want a new Apple Watch and I'm waiting for the Ultra because um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy it now, am I, right? So like we're three right. months away and I'm, I'm, I'm done with my Apple Watch, um, my Series 7, uh, the battery is just not what I want it to be. Although I, I've heard from a lot of people and Gruber posted about this that I think there's something in the in the latest OS update that that is killing the battery on these things because a lot of people are Maybe. all of a sudden. This is why Lauren got a new watch. Mine, like mine isn't all of a sudden, but I, I understand that is happening for people. I'm getting battery warnings way earlier than I used to. Right on my uh, Series Seven as well. So I, I'm I'm wondering if there's something else going on here, and it's not just the normal aging, but there's been a change either in consuming the battery by the OS or in the flag of when it tells you your battery is low. <laughs> I'm not sure which one. Um, I am much higher for the Apple watch ultra. I didn't, I wasn't entirely convinced there would be an annual cycle for the Apple watch ultra. So obviously whatever they are looking at, they're like, yeah, totally. We're going to keep, I mean, whatever makes them iterate the Apple watch. They looked at the ultra and said, we are absolutely doing that. I've been surprised at how many people I know have really been into the Apple Watch uh, Ultra. I have to, I'm going to make a little admission here. I'd never really touched one or seen one in the wild until WWDC. Mm. I, I'd seen them in the, you know, Apple area <laughs> at the announcement event, mm -hmm. but I hadn't looked at one in the Apple store and I don't have one. And I, you know, right. So um, it's really nice. Like it's really yeah. nice enough to give me pause about whether I might want one. That's how nice it is. So It's got orange um, on it. You like orange. You know? I do like orange. It's true. So I'm intrigued. 
yeah, that it's going to be my upgrade. If they do it, that's that's the easiest upgrade of everything for me this year because it's something that rather than just doing like I'll always just do. Like I want these things, but I'll always get the new iPhone because it's part of my job to know what's going on with the iPhone. Uh, sure. I I felt like many years ago that that the Apple Watch did not really count in that. Um, yep. But I just want a new Apple Watch, and I want mm-hmm. the Apple Watch Ultra because I think it's cool. Um, but I didn't pull the trigger. You wanting an Apple Watch? Mm-hmm. Amazing. I still would prefer to not have an Apple Watch and to have a band that I could wear on my wrist that went into fitness, and then I could wear sure, a regular sure. watch. But if I'm gonna have to have one because I want one because of the fitness stuff, then I want the one that I like the look of the most, and yep. that's the Apple Watch Ultra. We move now to the 13-inch MacBook Pro with an M3 chip in it, which is apparently coming. They're not... Okay, I need you to define excitement for me now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If Mark Gurman were to say that the 13-inch MacBook Pro is getting redesigned to not be the touch bar and all of that, but is going to be more like the 14- and 16-inch models, I would have more excitement um, he hasn't reported that. And, you know, as the, I mean, basically the executives at the, at the talk show uh, at WWDC said something like, you know, yeah, you want the touch bar? You got it. Whatever. You know, I think Jaws said that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we all, let's just, we all know why this product exists and it's, it's not because anybody wants it. It's because corporate buyers probably are just like they want a MacBook Pro, give me the cheapest model. Here's what it is. But Mike, you know, even if there were rumors that the touch bar was going away and they were going to redesign it a little bit, it still wouldn't be more than the Apple Watch Ultra. So, so less. This is the easiest one to say lower in excitement levels. Lower. 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pro with M3 Pro and M3 Max. Hmm. Oh, but I'm comparing it to the MacBook Pro 13 yes. inch. Well, higher yes. then. Okay, yes. higher. higher. I, my enthusiasm yeah. for those is not super high because I think that it's just going to be. I'm sure the M3 is going to be a step ahead of the M2. Great. Um, those are good machines, but you know, not super enthusiastic. But yeah, more more than the MacBook Pro 13 for Same. sure. And I always find it an interesting story of uh, how how the performance is year over year. I still think that that's fun because. How do they do it? How do they define it? Is there some kind of thing that could make a jump or not? And so these will be the good. This will be the good compare we'll get for the for, oh. for what these chips and what these chips are like will good be compare, here. So I am compare. actually pretty excited about this. Okay. Quote: New MacBook Air models is what Mark said. I'm presuming this is M3. M3. Yeah. In the 14. Oh, sorry. In the 13 and the 15. Right. And the 15. Yeah. So that would prob. That's probably. A year away from now, uh, or I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe I would, I would say early next year. Yeah, yeah, like I spring. think the fifteen, because the the it's a year out almost from the shipping of the M two Air. Yeah. So if they wait too long, you know, I I don't know if the M two Air needs to sit there for for another year. Uh, and the 15 inch model is just going to have a, sh- the M2 is going to have a short life and it's going to be replaced by an M3 model. And that's just how it is. So my guess is, yeah, early next year, but um, uh, uh, more higher, higher because I'm higher on the MacBook Air. I'm excited about it. Um, I love that M2 design. Looking forward to a, a new M3 version of it. Yeah. So higher. What about, uh, I also say, mm, no, I'm, 
I'm less excited about the new MacBook Air models than I am about the MacBook Pros. Okay. Personally. Uh, but what about the 24-inch iMac of M3? Um, hmm. Then the MacBook Air? Then the MacBook Air. I don't know. I, 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 I'm less excited because all it's going to be is the new chip. And the new chip, um, it's, you know, it's th- M3 should be a bigger jump than M1 to M2. New process, three nanometer process, all that. Like, like great. But uh, they already redesigned the iMac. And it's just going to be that. Um, I'm a little more excited about the possibility that the uh, iMac might have a Pro option, right? An M3 Pro option. Yeah. I think that would be a good choice if they did that. Well, I mean, MP3 Pro, it's not like that much more. No, I, I would like that, but I don't think that. And, and Mark Gurman also Mark said two that. model. Two, you know, he says two models. Ah, we're not there yet. We're no, not no, there he, yet. Says two, he says two models of 24-inch iMac. Oh, he did? When I missed that. He then, did. Okay, he then. said two models of 24-inch iMac. Okay, well could then, be. ignore what I said. We'll assume I mean, it says MP3 it Pro. Could be I the, include that in my notes. It could be the classic lousy base model and then a, a much better model, but it could be that it's a, there's a base model and then there's a, a, a Pro chip option. I don't know. I think if it's in the Mac Mini, it might be in the iMac. So I'll throw that in there. Still lower than the MacBook Air because they already changed the iMac. What I'll say, though, is for me, this was a toss-up between the MacBook Air and the uh, 24-inch iMac because the computers that I love both of and them both moving to M3, I'm kind of like equally excited. But okay. if now uh, I've I'd missed this second model thing, now I'm more, I, I'm more excited about this because I just think it would be cool if they put a more powerful chip in the 24-inch iMac just for fun. But I don't think they're going to do it, but it would be fun if they did. What I thought you were referencing is the next thing, which is Mark said that Apple is, quote, conducting early work on a 30-inch iMac. 30 plus. Yeah. He said, He said. Uh, I think he a minimum said 30, 30 inches, inches or yeah. larger yeah. Yeah. iMac. Um, more excited. Yeah, of course. <laughs> this I don't think this is coming out in the time frame of his article, and there's a few things no, here. No, conducting but, early work, yes. right? But uh, minimum 30 inches is exciting and a strange start. How big? Like 34? That's a big computer. You know what I mean? I how, know. how far are we going to go here? It's a big old computer. It's basically a really nice big display with a Mac in it, mm-hmm. essentially, which they can do because the Mac hardware is so so tiny. They can absolutely do that. That's That would be an interesting... That would be basically an iMac Pro, I assume. Um, it would probably be... Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, that's a cool idea. It's interesting because then they would give people the choice of you can get a, a mini or a studio and an external display, or you can just buy this iMac and and uh, you'll be in great shape. So we're both more excited than twenty four. Yeah, what about an OLED iPad Pro? <sighs> um, I'm gonna go less, less. excited. Yeah. So, yeah, I just feel like I've been burned too many times on the iPad Pro. Like I just yeah. you know. I, yeah, I, I, I need like more than OLED. Wait, I need I more than it. OLED. Yeah, I would like to see is there a third? Is there a you know next gen pencil that's going to be part of this? Some is it going to have the moved the moved FaceTime your camera and stuff? So it's on the yeah. side where it's more horizontally oriented. Is there are there other changes to the accessory story? Like I need more to be excited about than it's going to be an OLED screen. The OLED screen that would be nice. It would be nice, but but. It's going to be really uh, expensive to too. Excited. And and so, yeah. you know, like we spoke, that was a rumor from a long time ago, but there's just, I cannot imagine a world in which an OLED iPad Pro isn't even, isn't 
more expensive than the current iPad Pros and then like you I need to see more here so I'm less excited for this just because Apple need to blow me away with this iPad Pro because I yep. feel like we haven't had that in too long now uh what about new iPad Air um less <laughs> I love the iPad Air I think it's yeah. a fantastic iPad but yep. I don't think there's going to be much of a story here so I would also be less excited I think I think it'll have an M2 and otherwise because yep. they just they just designed did they just redesign it, it or was is last it last year i think yeah but did they redesign it i think it's the the low-end model is the only one so it would be more exciting oh, yeah, like if they did some of all. those mm. some of those changes uh that the low-end model got but uh i'm, I'm not going to be as enthusiastic about an ipad air as a, an ipad pro that's just not going to happen yeah i love that I, I genuinely think the ipad air is a fantastic ipad it's currently the it best is. ipad you can buy for bang for buck in my opinion great, it's yeah, the one that most great. people should buy but yes i great. don't expect there to be much there that's new for a while uh third gen airpods pro early development more because i use airpods pro yeah. and i like them a lot not and that I, wonder, I you know this is this is multiple years away i expect yeah i think so and i don't really know i don't have any sense right now what i would want from this um but Yes, I would say more too because it's you know I use the Air the AirPods Pro are up there for me with the Apple devices I use the most in my day. You know, like uh, I've had them in for hours and hours a day every day. So smart display, <laughs> early development. Uh, Gene Munster is very excited <laughs> about this. I I don't know. I'm not excited about it because I'm not sure Apple should be making a display. I'm intrigued by the idea. The idea here is basically what if Apple made a TV, a really nice TV with Apple TV guts inside of it. Well, I like, oh, uh, is that what okay. you thought? I took away that That's this was a HomePod with a screen. Oh, a HomePod. That's what I took that to oh, mean. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't read that at all. Smart display. You think it's a HomePod. Well, mm -hmm. if that's right, I'll go with you because it was it was couched with home stuff, although I thought it was like a TV. Smart display. Sure, yes. More more excited then because I, mean, I am Jason, very excited. it could excited be a television. Those. I don't know. but uh, Well, then less excited then. <laughs> I read it as a... Can I make bullet a... points here? Sure. If it's a TV, less excited. If it's a HomePod with a screen, more excited. And Much I will more mirror excited. you on those. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then also an Apple TV with quote, with quote improved specifications in early development. Less excited. Me too. Because <laughs> well, it's just going to be an Apple TV. Yeah. If it's what I want it to be, more excited. Which is like it's an Apple TV that is a sound bar and has integrated and has a camera stuff in it. Sure, but that's sure. not uh, I don't improved think that's specifications. What it is. Isn't that? yeah? It's not that exciting to have improved specifications. There we go. That is a higher or lower on excitement. Wow. Of a list of that products. was a roller coaster. Of, uh, it by actually design. really was. Do you know what? I'm going to say it's a roller coaster I would not like to ride because <laughs> that feels like it would be very upsetting. Yes. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Nom Nom. What you feed your dog is just as important as what you put into your body. It's time for real good food backed by science. That's Nom Nom. Nom Nom delivers fresh dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. Nom Nom's made with real whole food and you, that you can see and recognize, which is, I think, pretty important, without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom used the latest science and insights to make real good food for dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are crafted by board-certified veterinary nutritionists, 
made fresh and shipped free to your door. Nom Nom's already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. Now, Jason, I had the experience of being around your good dog recently when we oh, recorded yes. in person, and I believe that Nom Nom sent out some food. And uh, What did you think of it? Yeah, she has a lot of energy. Maybe I should stop feeding her Nom Nom so she's more <laughs> bloated and has less energy. <laughs> um, she is, yeah, uh, so... Yeah, she loves it. Obviously, it's it, and you can. It's absolutely true that you can see the ingredients that are in it. It is not a mysterious mush. It is like you can see that they're good ingredients. You can understand that they're the kind of ingredients that a human might eat, uh, and that that dogs are going to love it. Um, she definitely pr- got much more excited about eating her food when we started adding um, nom nom. I mostly was sort of adding it as a topper to her other food, um, which is one of their options. They give you serving size for like full food or as a topper or like there are different ways you can mm. do it based on the weight of your dog. Um, she, uh, so Maisie was uh, a pound dog. She was picked up on the streets of Corker in California out in the Central Valley, right by that lake that we have now that we didn't have before. That was where Maisie's from. And she was, um, she was malnourished. She, we don't know how long she'd been out there or how she'd been treated before that, but she was basically, you could see her ribs. She was super malnourished. So it's been very important and a priority since we got her to feed her better, put her on better food and um, and get her to have good nutrition because she really suffered from very bad nutrition early in her life. So um, this has been a fun process because she's super into the num num food and uh, definitely gets way more attentive about feeding time when num num food is in the mix. She's a very good dog. Mm-hmm. Just very, very enthusiastic dog. This is a no-brainer. Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week free trial at trynom.com slash upgrade. That's uh, N-O-M. So it's trynom.com slash upgrade for 50% off. Trynom.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Nom Nom for their support of this show and Relay FM and making Maisie happy. Let's finish out with some Ask Upgrade questions for today's episode. John asks, you see the term evangelist spoken about in the context of Apple. What does this mean? Uh, evangelist, I don't know if it ori- or originated with a guy, Kawasaki, but he was the, the, like, the famous Apple evangelist at one point. The idea here is to get people in a community uh, enthusiastic about what Apple is doing. So you, you hear it a lot about like developers and developer evangelist. And I feel like developer evangelism, I mean, somebody who's in, in the developer space would know better than me. Cause it's not my direct area. I talk to PR marketing people, but like evangelism is historically, uh, you want to be in part a representative of what you're hearing from developers on the outside inside Apple. But I think primarily when you see that term, I think it gets the message across. It's trying to get Apple's, let's say developers, although it could also be in like Fortune 500 businesses, you can have evangelists in a lot of different areas who are trying to get people enthusiastic about what Apple is doing. So it's like, you got to adopt our APIs or here's this new thing we're doing for big businesses. And there's this new system and we've got this, or we've got this new small business essentials tool and we want you to be excited about it. So it's like kind of pitching to 
a particular audience. It's not the media, right? It's like a particular audience and trying to be the this making this connection between uh, the people on the inside and the people on the outside. They're like a conduit for that, or they're they're kind of like getting the people on the outside excited. Sarva in the chat points out that Renee Ritchie is now a YouTube evangelist, right? Like they don't that's part call of- it that, though. See, I, I think evangelist is a term that Apple wouldn't use if they were creating this today. I think it is a holdover right. from a previous No, it's from time. the 80s. Yes. It's from the 80s. It's from Guy Kawasaki. And yeah, it is a, it is a, a weird Rene term, but that's the idea. Rene is creator liaison. That is his yeah, role. Yeah, but that's what it is. Yes. You know, that that is a traditional evangelism mm-hmm. title, I would say, where you're trying to communicate with the outside about what you're doing on the inside, but also, you know, maybe even less noticeable on the outside is taking what you're hearing on the outside and telling it to the inside so that, you know, right. Cause like a lot of the people who work at the inside at Apple or YouTube or anywhere else are not out there with the customers all the time, but you need to have some people who are on the surface who are able to interface with the people on the outside and then relay yep. back what the issues are. People who are trusted by, by both sides too, right. That like they yeah. can get, they can give the information, but also collect information um, yeah. And I think it is a very important role. It felt like for a while it was maybe a role that Apple seemed to move away from a little bit, but it came back. And I mm. think now it feels like we also talk about developer relations maybe more than yes. we used to. And exactly that those terms I think are now interchangeable. Developer relations was always there, right? WWDR, mm. Worldwide Developer Relations. Like it was always there but yeah i think that the term comes in and out of favor and that's fine but the idea the idea generally is who is talking to the outside world and yes potentially kind of whipping up enthusiasm for whatever apple's new thing is so in this context it might be for vision os but it could also just be for some new api or something you know or or getting people to get over to apple silicon and leave intel behind or whatever it needs to be to sort of like be out there and saying hey apple, hey hey person in this community apple wants you to know about the stuff we're doing and and wants to get you on board with this and a little more active like i said it, you know in some contexts it's it's like a sales role but it's not quite the same because they're not necessarily trying to it's almost like marketing to a different audience they want to get like because they're not necessarily trying to sell developers literally products but they are trying to sell a developer evangelist developers on what apple is doing so that the developers will buy in with their time and their resources not literally writing an apple a check but saying yes i will implement your open doc (laughs) whatever which is what happened in the 90s it wasn't that good but anyway it's it's like that Stuart asks, do you think the sales of AR or VR products will be included in wearables broken out into their own category or some new category that Apple reports in their earnings? Until Vision Pro and friends reach the point where they're selling so much that legally Apple has to break them out into another category, then there is some threshold for that. I forget what it is. Until that day, they will be in wearables, home, and accessories. I could imagine it also being, if it wasn't legal, but I'm sure, uh, no, I have no doubt that it is. I didn't know that, but until you just mentioned it, I could also imagine a scenario until Apple was proud enough of the results, right, like that they would put them into their own, but... The beauty of it, and we just look at the Apple Watch for a comp here. Um, Apple Watch is part of wearables, home, and accessories. Apple, and and so are AirPods, right? Apple can point at the category and say, look at Gru, and then 
mention right after that, Apple Watch is doing great. And implies that what you see in that category is Apple Watch. Doesn't necessarily mean it is, right? It might be in in HomePods or Apple TVs or AirPods, but they want you to think about it as an Apple Watch proxy. Or any of those other products, too, they could do that. Also, they've gotten very good at pointing out when there's a milestone that they think is they're proud of and that they want to share for a particular product, they will call it out. So you will see in a few years, you'll see, you know, Vision Pro uh, for the holiday season of 24, we set an all-time record in Vision Pro revenue. Or we sold the most Vision Pros we've sold in any quarter. And they can say that without giving you any Vision Pro specific detail. And it's just rolled into the wearables, home, and accessories number. That's what they're going to do with this until they're legally required to do otherwise, right? Like, because there is a threshold at which, and I don't know the details, but like, I don't think they could get away with rolling iPhone, iPad, and Mac together into one line, right? Those are distinct products and they both, they all generate a lot of revenue and they want to do it. But Vision Pro, I just don't see it. I think it'll be in wearables, home, and accessories, and I think they'll be happy to have it there. Matt asks, considering that the M3 is probably going to be rolled out maybe around the same time as the Vision Pro, are there any odds that Apple will use the M3 in the headset instead, more performance and maybe better battery life? No, my no. understanding is that the Vision Pro is made and that they're working on the next one. Maybe that'll have an M3 or an M4 in it, but this one's going to have an M2. I, I, I'd say that, that it's a zero chance. I don't think it's as simple as just hot swapping these things in. Like, no. I don't think it works like that. No, uh. I think the challenge with it being delayed and, and, and with it not even shipping until next year is just that this is what it is, is based on this. I, I think it's very low odds that they would pull it apart and then put it back together. I mean, it's not... I wouldn't say zero. I mean, it's possible, except we haven't heard anything about this. It's possible that in the background, they're doing a quick swap to put in another chip. But given that that chip is not even going to be out until about the same time, I'm I'm doubtful that they would at the last minute uh, say, well, no, the M2 is really for uh, for developer kits and the shipping one will be an M3. It's a non-zero, but I think very unlikely. And Will asks, with Apple producing more content for the Vision Pro, do you think that future Apple keynotes will be made for viewing inside of the headset? For those of us that have never been to WWDC, feeling like we're in the Steve Trust Theater would be cool. You know, I, I hadn't really thought about this. I would not put it past them at all. I hope so. That they, that they would do immersive versions of their events. The problem is that the, the events are, are pre-taped now. So are they going to do like an immersive version of the keynote video as well as a regular version? I don't know. Are they going to do a 3D conversion of it? I don't know. Maybe they will. I hope so. Uh, but probably, you know, like probably not. Experience but... something about the keynote in immersive video. Yeah. my I think it's more likely that there will be like special product videos and stuff that yeah. will be made in an immersive or 3D format but that it won't necessarily be the whole thing. However, I wouldn't put it past them to do something like having a virtual theater that you can go to, mm -hmm. right, in the Vision Pro and watch the thing. Like and they do actually make a recreation of the Steve Jobs. Of the Steve Jobs theater and you're, and you're sitting in it and you can... For keynotes. <laughs> yeah. And you can share pl you can share play it with friends and you yeah. can all watch it together and talk about it or whatever. Like, I, th I think something like that maybe, but I, I doubt... I doubt they're going to do the whole thing. But yeah, that's a that's a funny, clever idea. 
But who knows, right? Like, to start with, yeah, probably a little bit. But who knows what the future will hold? Maybe, you know, they'll just put them on people's faces and they'll record them. If they do some product videos that are in 3D um, or are immersive, that would be a thing you could do is if you watch it in the Vision Pro, you'd watch the regular 2D video with everyone else. But when it went to the 3D one, maybe you drop into immersive mode or you see it as a 3D image or something like that. I could see them doing something like that. But again, more for those like little sizzle videos they do that are three minutes long, not the whole thing. I don't don't think they're going to do it. I would have a different answer if this was a live event, but it's not a live event anymore. So I think it's I think it's unlikely. Look, if it's WWDC and there are a bunch of uh, developers in the crowd and they're watching the video, would they try to capture that as immersive video? So you're literally sitting in the crowd watching a video? Maybe, but probably not. If you would like to send us in your feedback, follow-up, or your Ask Upgrade questions, please go to UpgradeFeedback.com and you can do so, and we may include them in a future episode. Until next time, you can check out Jason's work over at SixColors.com. You can hear his podcast at TheIncomparable.com and here on Relay FM, which is where you will hear me as well. Uh, We're going to have a special guest uh, on Connected this week. Um, who we've mentioned a bunch of times in this episode to talk about their experiences with the Vision Pro SDK. So you can look out for that uh, on Connected. You can also check out my work at cortexbrand.com. You can find uh, me and Jason on Mastodon. Jason is at jsnell on zeppelin.flights. Remember, if you are from New Zealand and would like to tell Jason um, how to how you pronounce beta, you can tell him there. Uh, you can find me as at iMike on mike.social, and you can also find this show as at upgrade on relayfm.social, where you can see video clips that we produce of this show, which you will also find on TikTok and Instagram, where we are at upgrade relay. Please check them out. We are getting universally good feedback about these clips. If you've not yet uh, you know, followed one of the accounts, you should do, and you'll get to see a little bit more contacts a little bit more fun uh, what me and jason are up to when we're recording the show thank you to our members who continue to support of upgrade plus go to getupgradeplus.com to find out more thank you to our sponsors of this week's episode that is nom nom ladder electric and notion and thank you for listening until next time say goodbye jason snow goodbye my curly <laughs>